When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Clear Eyes Full Hearts, a podcast presentation of Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. This is an episode-by-episode look at the award-winning TV show Friday Night Lights created by Peter Berg. I'm Stacey Orstano. I played Mindy Collette Riggins. And I'm Derek Phillips, and I played Billy Riggins. Our assumption is that you, our listeners, have already watched the show. But if you haven't already, go watch Friday Night Lights, which is currently streaming on Netflix and Peacock TV, because there will be spoilers in our podcast. If you want to support our show, subscribe for free to our new YouTube channel where you can access exclusive content. We have a YouTube handle that makes it easy to find us. That's youtube.com slash at Hearts. Also, we're continuing to release new episodes of the podcast every other week. That's right. So join us as we recap all your favorite episodes, chat with amazing guests, and answer your questions. Email us what you want to know at clearizefullheartspod at gmail.com. Today, Season 4, Episode 13, Thanksgiving. It was written by Jason Kadams, directed by Michael Waxman, and NBC tells us. The Taylors host Thanksgiving dinner as the East Dillon Lions prepare to take on the West Dillon Panthers. We have the one and only Zach Guilford, a.k.a. Matt Saracen, joining us today. But before we talk to Zach, let's recap this episode. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's called the Subway Series. Just makes me think that Derek was right. Dylan does have a subway. <laughs> Wait, what was that? Can you say that again? I'm not saying you're right. It just, when Mayor, when she said Subway Series, I was like, oh, God. I think that the term Subway Series was very popular around this time because the Yankees and the Mets had played each other in the World Series a couple times. Up here where we really do have a subway. Yeah, where there actually is a subway <laughs> and there would be a Subway Series. See, Stacy, I told you that there's a subway in Dillon, but you just don't listen. I have such a picture in my head of what it looks like. Oh, the subway system in Delhi, Texas. <laughs> That's some fun graffiti, but it's all like football graffiti. <laughs> you know, on the Dillon trains or on the East Dillon train, there are paint, uh, Panthers everywhere. Yeah, it's that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But like the voiceover too is Texas. So it's like, mind the gap. Mind the gap. Yeah. Mind the gap. Watch out the closing doors, please. Well, yeah. Stand by <laughs> the closing doors. Ding. All right. Okay, I got to tell you guys, another scene that I have no recollection of, which surprises me because this scene seems important and like the stakes are so high at the Riggins house. Oh, you're talking about the scene with the where we're sitting with the lawyer? Yeah, you guys are with the lawyer and I'm holding yeah. the baby. I 
don't remember this scene, but they're talking about both of you guys getting one to five years. Yeah, there's obviously a scene later in this episode that I remember very well, mm-hmm. but this scene I don't really have a lot of recollection of myself. It's funny because, I mean, when I watched it, I was like, okay, I remember that now, but I don't remember shooting it, and I don't remember anything about it. It's familiar in a way that I know it happened, but I don't remember. Yes. It's really like messing up my brain a little bit. Yeah. Let's just say the stakes have never been higher at the Riggins house, I think. I got to tell you, those scenes like that, they kind of take you by surprise because when you don't remember them, you can sit back and kind of watch a certain audience member and go, oh, okay, what happens here? Well, they really messed up. Now we know. (laughs) Yeah, because I'm in the same boat with you. I'm like, I can actually look at it with clear eyes. Oh, God, with clear eyes. And decide whether or not, (laughs) like, my acting is decent or not in the scene because I have no clue what I'm going to say next. And it was, by the by. Oh, thank you. Hearing Coach talk about beating the Dylan Panthers is still weird. As much as I'm a lion now, I'm going to wear red. Hearing Coach Taylor talk about beating the Dylan Panthers was weird. And then he looked at all of the boys and he said, the question is, men, do you think we can beat the Dylan Panthers? And out loud, I said, nope. Oh, you got to have hope, Stacy. <gasps> you got to have hope. Okay, this isn't, no. That's from Damn Yankees. Go on. There's something else he says in that where he's talking about how like they're going to go home to like their rich Thanksgivings. The coach is kind of crapping on the Dylan Panthers. And I'm like, oh, I used to be a fan of the Dylan Panthers a couple years back. But none of us are fans of the Dylan Panthers at this point. No, not at all. They actively hate. I was literally working out yesterday and I had a Dylan Panthers t-shirt on underneath my hoodie. Did you feel a little like a traitor? Well, I sent a picture to you and our producer Miranda from my gym yesterday. And I was like, thank God I don't have my Dylan Panthers shirt like out. Like I had it on underneath. And I think you guys might have said something if you'd have seen me in my Dylan Panthers gear. I did not. I would have said something. I figured I'm in my own gym. (laughs) No one's going to know that I'm still Mm -hmm. rocking Dylan Panther gear. Derek's a traitor. (laughs) Now we know. Okay. (laughs) I don't know how many times I'm going to... This is a new podcast drinking game. If you binge this podcast, I'm going to say give Landry a break. Yeah. Every time something bad happens to Landry, you got to drink. Is that the drinking game? People will be in the hospital. I can't even handle it. But listen, (laughs) Jess tells him... I have feelings for Vince, and I got to give her points. That's just straight-up honesty, and I respect it. Even the way he kind of handled it was very mature. It was. He's mature, though. He is. But it was. It was just such a punch in the gut, because I have been rooting for these two. When I first moved to L.A., there was a girl I was dating. I was really digging on her, and she pulled me aside, and we had lunch, and she goes, you know, I got to be honest with you. I still haven't gotten over my ex. Uh And I was like, ah. That sucks. It was like the most mature breakup I've ever had in my life. I respect the honesty. And she was like, can we still be friends? And I go, you know, we didn't really start out as friends, so I don't really see any reason why we should try to be. Like, I'm not being a jerk. Like, No, I respect that too. I said, I really liked you and I'm just, you know, maybe one day we can be cool. And I've seen her a bunch of times since then and we're fine now. But at the time I was sad and I was like, you know, just give me a little time to myself. Yeah. You know, I just need to be alone for a little bit. Kicking cans. So you're a Landry. Yeah, I was a Landry that time, but I've probably made some women feel like Landry in my life as well. I would say that's very true. Everybody's a Landry sometimes, Stacy. Oh, God, you keep saying things that make me want to sing, but I'm not. I'm, I'm trying so hard not to. Tammy goes up to read her written out for her apology, and you can just see Connie's so good at this. There's just in her face. Like something turns in her eyes yep. and you're like, oh, no, so I got to do it. And I thought she was going to give some kind of big speech and she didn't. It, it no. was almost better that she was just like, look, y'all, 
I can't do this. I did my job. What do you want? I didn't do anything wrong. I did my job. I love these kids and I try to take care of them, whatever she says. And it's just like, boom. Yeah. I love this scene for Tammy. I'm eh. glad that she stuck to her guns because it felt to me like her getting up there and giving an apology when she didn't do something wrong would have been completely and totally against who she is as a person and out of character. Oh, that's true. That would have been like upsetting as a viewer for who they have made Tammy. Yeah. I didn't think about yeah. it like that. Yeah, it would have been wrong. And we've always said that she's always right. <laughs> right. And she still is. Yeah, I'm glad she stuck to her guns. Way to go, Jason Kadams. We finally, I didn't know that I'd been missing it. We got a Landry Matt scene and I was so excited when he showed up at the door. And then it was not what I wanted it to be. <laughs> now, between this scene and the scene that just happened with Julie, Matt has made a few enemies in Dillon, Texas. And he just comes back like bright, shiny face like, hey guys, I'm here. Hey guys, how's everybody doing? No, that's not how it works. <laughs> Look, I understand that he had to get out of Dylan because he felt like if he didn't cut off all his ties and just go, he'd never go. Yeah. And I get that. But after a certain amount of time, you got to call the people you love and say, hey, you know, this is what was going on with me. Yeah, I'm alive, by the way. Yeah, I moved to Chicago, <laughs> FYI. In case you need to get all the way. You got to let people know. But yeah, Matt has really pissed off everyone in Dylan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, he has some making up to do. Okay, guys, I didn't understand it while it was happening. I still don't understand it. But suddenly all of these people are going to Thanksgiving at the Taylors. I kind of get Buddy going because like his family's gone. He doesn't have yeah. anybody else. He would always find a way to get into the Taylors Thanksgiving. But Tammy just throws out Angela Collette is coming to Thanksgiving with no reason behind it. Just my mom is going to be there. And for some reason, since my mom is there, all of us are going to be there as well. Yeah. And there's never explained, but I'm not Stacy logistically mad at it this time. I just think it's fun. <laughs> I agree with you. The only thing I can think of, because my job on this show is to try and figure out why things happen. <laughs> you explained the logic to me. The only <laughs> thing I can think of is that maybe Coach Taylor invited Tim because he was afraid Tim didn't have any place to go. And then Tim invited Billy and then Billy invited you and then you invited Angela. It must be that. Have you ever had one of those situations where you invite one person to a thing and they're like, oh yeah, and by the way, so-and-so is coming along with like five other people? Yeah. Do you know how that happens all the time? Guys, whenever you invite Derek somewhere, he's going to bring another person with him and not tell you. Oh, that's true. <laughs> This reminds me, I was like, who does that kind of thing? And then it was like, that was me. Do you remember when Palicki had a New Year's party a couple years back? This, uh -huh. I say a couple years, it was like 10 years ago. But Adrian Palicki, who plays Tyra, had a New Year's party. And she said, hey, I want you to come. And I said, look, you know, I want to spend New Year's with you, but I also want to spend it with a bunch of my friends. She's like, bring whoever you want. So I invited like four people. Yep. And then those four people invited like four people apiece. And mm -hmm. before long, Annie was like, dude, there's like 50 people at my house. Originally, it was only supposed to be like 10 people altogether. And I felt terrible. To be fair, I brought a good six as well. And I had just had my wisdom teeth out and I look like Quagmire, my big old square jaw face. I remember that New Year's. Yeah. So I guess I'm the guy that invited Angela, most likely. You're that guy. Also, like maybe, oh, they just had a baby. We need to give them a break whatever it's yeah fine. who knows but either way it makes for a wonderfully <clears throat> uncomfortable thanksgiving so i am completely and totally down for it down. i love that she and buddy are flirting at the table i love Don't that love everyone that? loves buddy garrity's fried turkey more than they love tammy's roast but have you ever had deep fried turkey yes and oh, it's God, so it's much better than so regular good. turkey i don't know why we don't fry every turkey well because people like die i understand <laughs> that yes right. it's very dangerous please if you're doing it at home make sure it's outside oh, make God, sure it's that you so know good, what you're though. doing beforehand but it's so good it's so much more juicy and moist mm -hmm. but i love this day this was a fun day on set shooting all 
this stuff, even though it's really depressing looking at mm-hmm. all of our faces. We'll talk about that in a minute. You guys, Becky shows up at the Riggins house and I just thought, oh, that's not the last time that's going to happen because I know what happens in season five. It was like a little yeah. foreshadowing. I will say I'm a little annoyed that Becky's like, you said you were a better man than this kind of thing. I don't understand that situation so much. It's a little annoying to me. I don't get the entire relationship. Do they have feelings? Are they supposed to be brother and sister? What about her mom? I have never gotten it. I still don't get it. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It seems like maybe they were attempting to create like a older brother kind of situation. But then when they've kissed a couple times, it kind of throws a wrench in that. She said she's in love with him. And then he doesn't even really back away then, which I would. But also, how does Becky know that you guys got arrested? Does all of Dylan know or does she have some pipeline into the criminal charges in Dylan, Texas? I think it's a small enough town that word's going to travel quickly. I don't know if I get that because it would seem like that would be a bigger deal at Thanksgiving and nobody except for you, me, and Tim is concerned at Thanksgiving. So it confuses me that Becky knows and it seems to me that nobody else knows yet. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, but this was an incredible incredibly fun day of shooting. This was just a group of people. I don't think we had had this group of people before. Like we've had us with Angela or you guys went over to the Taylors, but not everybody together. Uh This was an insanely fun day of shooting, but you wouldn't know it by looking at your face, my face and Taylor's face. The Riggins family is definitely not having a a good Thanksgiving day. That's what I mean. Like there were some things going on for us and it doesn't seem like it for everybody else. So my dad did color commentary for the Cowboys when I was growing up and the Cowboys always play at home on Thanksgiving. So I was working for my dad and I was always at Texas Stadium on Thanksgiving. So I grew up like never really doing Thanksgiving. It just wasn't a thing that my family did. And then I went to college in London and they're not real big on the holiday of Thanksgiving over there. So it was never a thing to me until... I became an adult and I got to like have my own or go to somebody else's Thanksgiving dinner and it's like all my favorite foods and I didn't realize how wonderful it was. I love Thanksgiving. (laughs) I was literally watching a video the other day where they were giving Thanksgiving dinner to British kids. They had no clue what any of this stuff was. Then when they were asking them like, what day do you think Thanksgiving is? They were like, I don't know, July 4th? And they had no clue what was going on. It's always funny to me that, you know, holidays that we have in the States that aren't celebrated in other parts of the world. It's like, how do you not know Thanksgiving? But yeah. Also not the best holiday. Think about what we actually did to indigenous people that lived here. But that's a whole other story. Okay, we'll talk about let's that later. Not get into that, Stace. The snow globe. The snow globe. Him gives Becky his snow globe. Yeah. I go back and forth with this because as we said, well, I'm not really sure that I understand what their relationship is. Seems important though. There's some kind of connection with this little girl mm-hmm. and he feels a need to protect her and take care of her. And I do think it's kind of a beautiful moment that he does give this snow globe to her because we've already established this snow globe means the world to him. Everything. But this is also foreshadowing as an audience, if you don't know where the story's going, you're going, wait a minute, where's Tim going? What's going on here? Maybe it seems like he's about to jet, like he's about to bolt, leave town. Yeah, when I first read it, if I remember correctly, I felt like, is he going to like try and leave to Mexico? What's going What's going that on That would be here? the old Tim Riggins. And like if that yeah. Tim Riggins came back, he would, yeah, he would bolt to Mexico and get out of town. Seems yeah. he's matured a little bit because that's not what happens later. It's also foreshadowing, you know, if you guys know where she's going to end up next year. And that's with us, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. The fact that he basically says to her in this moment, like, if you ever need anything, you're family to me. 
and that happens. <laughs> yeah, and then next year that happens. God, all the foreshadowing. Okay, I don't love admitting what I'm about to admit because I actually truly know the science behind it, but that slow motion football after Landry kicks it and that football flies through those posts with that music playing behind it gave me goosebumps. <laughs> Damn you. FNL. I'm feeling the exact same way. I'm going to be honest with you. And finally, Landry gets a shot at redemption after missing his extra point. Mm-hmm. He gets a win, not just for the team, but for himself. Finally, Landry, something good happens to Landry. We had to have that. I mean, he had to. Yeah, I was just beside myself with joy that that moment happened for him. And frankly, watching the look on Joe McCoy's face at the end oh, of the game God, makes yeah. me so happy. Eat it, Joe McCoy. And if I'm not mistaken, because East Dillon wins, they knocked Dillon out of the playoffs and out of a state title run. Yeah. So, I mean, this was basically East Dillon's Super Bowl. And this happens occasionally. Oh, I bet JD did not have a good night at home oh. after that. Did you see JD pushing his offensive lineman on the field, like screaming at him during the game? Yeah, he got a little in his feelings. Yeah, losing his temper, just can't hold it together. <laughs> Is this the last we see of them? I think it might be. Okay, as much as I love those actors, I'm going to say goodbye McCoys and be a fine with that. Yeah, we'll have to look into that. But yeah, I think that might be the last episode for all of us. Okay, Tammy. Yes, I need it to happen. I need her to be at East Dillon. I'm so right there with you. Go East. Screw Mm -hmm. the Panthers. Get out of there. That place is a cesspool. You know what it is, Stacey? It's a devil town over there. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Uh, just shout out to my buddy. That's Chris Burnett playing Tammy's lawyer here. There is also a drinking game if you binge this podcast of Stacey being excited of seeing her friends on TV. Yeah, that's the thing that, that happens. Be really, really drunk there. <laughs> oh, I have friends. Good for you, Julie Taylor. The maturity of thinking back, just because we've binged it so fast. Yeah, thinking to our season one characters to where they are now, Julie Taylor telling Matt, I need to find my own Chicago. I literally wrote my notes. I just said, look at Julie getting all mature and season four. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's such an adult thing to do. To go with what's right for you as opposed to what you feel. Like, you know, when I was 18, yeah. I was all in my feelings. Like, whatever I felt, I was just impetuous. I just went after it and didn't think too much about the repercussions or how it was going to affect my life. So the fact that she's capable of using her head and not her heart to make decisions is a pretty mature thing to do. Guys, your frontal lobe isn't fully formed until you're 24, 25. That's when you start making like grown-up decisions and she's already starting. I don't even know if my frontal lobe is fully formed and I'm 46. Good. I would like to check in and see that. I just want to <laughs> say I wrote down curse words again on my outline that I can't say, but I'm going to try to say how I feel about it. You and Taylor in this scene are absolutely killing me in a way that I want to scream at you. It's (laughs) so, so good. This is the guys by the swimming pool being brothers, Tim taking the fall. You killed me. That was one of those moments, you know, as an actor, people say like, how do you prep for a scene or how do you prepare for a scene? And I got to be honest with you, there was no preparation at all. The cameras just started and we just started Mm -hmm. the scene. And this is the joy. I've never had this experience before of working on a show for four years years at this point in time. You just know the characters so well, you don't really have to think about anything or put yourself in any kind of imaginary situation. Taylor and I are really, really good friends in real life, and so the idea that he would make that sacrifice for me, I guess at this point in time, he just really was my brother. I also can't imagine it was written in the script that they hug that long and Billy breaks down. That is just what happened to you in that moment, hearing your brother say that. It was so real. 
the minute he said, I'm taking the rap, basically, yeah. it was like waterworks. And so yeah. I was literally, as an actor, just trying to fight the tears back, like not to cry in that moment. Yeah, which is what you would do in like real life. It's still to this day a beautiful scene. It's such a joy as an actor to have that opportunity to work on something for that long where the characters are just so ingrained in you. You don't have to think anymore. Yeah, you don't have to try. You just have to tell the truth. They say that acting is react. And if you're not thinking anymore, if you're not in your head, then all you have to do at that point in time is just live in the moment and react. And yeah, listen. Yeah, just listen and react to the other that's person. That's what you guys did. And that's all we were doing in that scene. That's why that scene is so powerful. Thank you, Stace. I appreciate that. But I just want you specifically to read like, in your head so you know how I actually felt. I can't, <laughs> but I can't say <laughs> it on you. this podcast. Okay, guys, the very last shot of this episode, of course, Landry is going to Chicago. We knew that was going to happen, but ooh, just that close-up on Maddie's face, I think is going to set us up beautifully for what you are about to listen to next. Stacey and I are thrilled to have the one and only Zach Guilford, a.k.a. Matt Saracen, a.k.a. Seven, a.k.a. Cobra, on the show with us today. <laughs> Zach has been in dozens of films and TV shows, including The Last Winter, Grey's Anatomy, Off the Map, The Last Stand, Dare, The Purge Anarchy, This Close, Kingdom, Drunk History, Super, Law & Order SVU, Good Girls, LA's Finest, and Midnight Mass, for which he was nominated for a Critics' Choice Award. And of course, the newly rebooted Criminal Minds, which just finished its run on Paramount+. Plus. Outside of being a husband and father, Zach also hosts his own FNL podcast alongside former cast member Scott Porter and friend of the show, Mae Whitman, called It's Not Only Football, which is available wherever you get your podcast. Dude, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. You've got so many projects that you've been working on, so many projects that you currently have going. You just finished up on Criminal Minds, but I wanted to talk to you about how you got started in this business. Yeah. You graduated from Northwestern University, which for our listeners who may not be aware, is one of the best undergrad theater programs in the country. Can you tell us a little bit about your time there and how it prepared you for your career as an actor? Well, you know, it's kind of funny. I grew up in Evanston, which is where Northwestern is. And yeah. if you say you want to be an actor, then everyone says, well, you got to go to Northwestern. So I was kind of like brainwashed that way. And I think... <laughs> You know, having gone to theater school, I think they branded themselves one of the best theater schools. I don't know how you determine whether you're one of the, like, what makes you better than another. But I learned a few things there, and I got super lucky. You know, I did a showcase my senior year, and I got signed to an agent and a manager and went to New York. And, you know, it gives you such a leg up on things to have representation right out of school, because it means I'm going into auditions, you know, for real projects. And just got lucky, did an episode of Law & Order SVU, which is like a New York rite of passage, I feel like. And then got to do Last Winter, which was like an indie movie shot in Iceland with Connie Britton. So, like, I knew her before the show, and I remember when I was auditioning, I went in I think seven times for this show for Friday and, Night Lights. Um, yeah, sorry for Friday Night Lights. I was friends with Connie, and she had the offer and didn't want to do it because she had done the movie. Yeah, and she's saying it's a nothing part. I don't want to do it. And in my head, I'm like 23. <laughs> I'm like, how are you turning down a TV show? What does that yeah. mean? Like, who do you think you are? Like, just did not understand the business. But yeah, so that's kind of my story. I got just super lucky, super early in my career and very thankful for it. I remember going to dinner with Connie and you and the rest of the cast during the pilot. We went to Eddie V's, if I remember correctly, in Austin. And I remember Connie having that conversation with all of us. And she's like, yeah, I mean, I got offered this and I had no desire to do it because of the film. I remember sitting there like thinking the same thing that you're thinking, like, <laughs> you can say no to stuff? Who says no to stuff? I've never said no to anything in my life up until that point as an actor. So yeah, I mean, you you 
said you auditioned seven times for Sarah. I think I'm pretty sure I went in a total of seven times. And my first audition was in New York. I went in for Riggins. And oh, really? Yeah. And that was in the fall, whatever. Never heard anything about it. And then I was in California and Los Angeles for, you know, pilot season in January. And I got a call saying basically, hey, they want to see you again on Friday Night Lights. I said, oh, great. I go in, I meet with Linda Lowe, it's director. And she says, all right, well, let's, let's read you. I'm like, all right. She goes, you're reading for Matt, right? I was like, what? Oh, no. no, I had, you know, all my rigging scenes with me. And I was like, well, I can, um, she's like, don't worry about it. I was like, no, I'm worried about it. Give me, I'll do the sides. Give me five minutes. I'll cold read. And she said, no, 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 don't worry about it. You'll be fine. I'll bring you into producers next week. I was like, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I guess she saw something in me and blah, blah, blah. Went in so many times. Pete didn't want me for the part. He wanted this other kid who they kept trying to make it work with him. They tested me because Linda Lowey told Pete, you can't just test one person. You have to have another person there. Yeah. And wow. Pete was basically like, well, I know who I want. I want this guy. And she said, fine. Oh, you were just, the backup test. I was the just there to be like another person. They wanted this kid, you know, when you test for something, I don't know if they still do this. It's all archaic, but they have like a five-day hold on you where they mm -hmm. own you if they want you for five days. Mm -hmm. They call after five days and they're like, look, you don't have the part yet, but they want to extend your hold another five days. <laughs> like, well, what, the, what else am I doing? Sure, you can own me another five days. And it turns out they couldn't work out the dates with this other kid because he was already booked on a Disney TV movie. Oh my gosh, name names. I'm kidding. <laughs> I wish I did. <laughs> but, uh, Do you have any yeah, clues so, this guy's still working? Yeah, he hasn't worked. Wow. Poor kid. Beginning to end from your first Riggins audition to, hey, you're Matt Saracen, how long was that? Months, because I went in before Jesus. the holidays in New York. I mean, I booked the pilot and had to leave three days later because they pushed yeah. it. So, I mean, that's how I got the job. So we like, didn't start shoot shooting the thing. pilot till February or, or I want to say like late February. Yeah, it was late February. So it yeah. was, you know, easily two and a half, three months. You have the joy of shooting the pilot. And then after the pilot's been shot, then you've got the two month wait before three month wait, I guess, yeah. to find out whether or not it's been picked up and whether or not you're still a part of it. Because you knew, you know, I mean, like <laughs> that they didn't want me. They didn't want you originally. I mean, when I finally finally got the phone call for the start of the first season. I was like, so they didn't fire me. I think I'm still in this show. Yeah, that hanging over your head for months on end. And you know, I think I was so space. like green, you know, which is a term I hate, but it's true that I never even knew I could be recast. <laughs> so luckily that wasn't in my head. That's I didn't great. know that was a thing yet. Yeah, yeah. thankfully. Yeah, people get, people um, get fired from pilots a lot. No, they yeah. definitely do. And I went, you know, because it was just a pilot and it was my first one ever. I didn't get paid very much. I went back to my day job in New York, holding yeah. shirts to Patagonia and Soho. And it was just like, I mean, it was like, oh man, I was just shooting this cool show. It better get picked up because I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. It's life changing, like legitimately life changing. When you read the script, was there anything in you that was like, oh, I really want to read for these other parts, like either for a Saracen or a Langer? Were you like, nope, Riggins, that's it? No, I mean, I just read for the part they told me to read for. Yeah. But yeah. I do remember reading it and thinking, this is so good. And, yeah. you know, I had a couple of friends who were actually at my same agency and they were going out for it as well. It was definitely a pilot that I remember my agent, I was having lunch with them and it was like the big lunch to prep for pilot season. And they said, well, there's this Friday Night Lights pilot. I don't know if you'd be interested in it. I'm like, do you know me? Like, I love football. That movie was amazing. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess we'll send you in for it. I was like, thanks. It's so crazy to think back on like those random things. Like if you don't have that lunch meeting with your agents and you don't express a joy of football, all of a sudden they're like, oh, we're not putting them in for it. A hundred percent. It's crazy to think about those things, those little moments that happen in your life that 
are life changing, but they happen from random occurrences. Totally. And it's so crazy to us. I mean, because I can't imagine this show with anybody else playing Matt Saris. You know what I mean? Like you just embodied Literally. the role. What's wrong with you, Pete Berg? Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he didn't fire me. So I, I guess eventually he saw it. I would say pretty fast. Yeah. So we're currently wrapping up season four on our show right now. And we recently okay. had Rollin Jones on who wrote the episode, The Sun, oh. which obviously deals yes. with the death of Matt's father and which personally I think you crushed as an actor. And rewatching it, dude, you had me in tears. It's just a stellar performance, man. Thank what you. do you remember about that episode in particular and how did you prepare for it? So Tony Griffin, who was one of our ADs and became mm -hmm. one of my closest friends, still I'm very close to him to this day. He called me and he goes, hey, so I just read the script. I think it was 408. And he said, look, dude, I think you're a good actor, but I don't know what you're going to do. So you better drink your acting juice or whatever. And then oh one of the other ADs was like, we're going to slip you the script early before we give it to the rest of the cast. So you have yeah. time to prepare. So yeah. everyone was just like psyching me out. <laughs> like, I don't think you can do this. So then when I read it, I did have a freak out being like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And I ended up just doing it the way we kind of did everything on that show was like, just be ready, know your stuff and know that half of it's going to get thrown out the window. Just be present in those moments. And I feel like having it be so late in the run of the show, you know, we knew our characters so well and the relationships between each other were so established and felt so real that when you put yourself in those moments, be it at the funeral or whatever, like even right now, like I'm really getting a little choked up just because it felt real and i'm not you know a method actor in any way it just kind of happened and northwestern never taught me how to cry <laughs> so it just kind of happened sometimes and sometimes more than others and i remember it organically happened for real every time and then it was one of the last things i had to shoot was like putting the dirt on the grave yeah. and they wanted me to be crying and i was like i'm done like just put the stuff in my eyes <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's just i don't I care so i've been cried about it yeah there was something that happened that day that like usually in between scenes like serious scenes a little bit too but in between scenes we love each other and we joke around and whatever but you never asked for it but everybody just gave you space and room to sit and be in those scenes because the day like you were saying felt really somber like we had actual soldiers there and they were shipping off the next week to go to war and it was like give zach the grace because this is so important it was amazing to watch and be a part of too yeah you know that's the cast and the crew that we had and that's why i think a big part of why that sh the show turned out to be so special is because yeah. there was such a respect and camaraderie and love i mean we're all still friends you yeah. know i mean there's no rift between anyone i've run into i never had a single scene with him but you know i will run into michael b jordan and he's like yeah. dude what up family so, without even knowing it that was a special moment just watching you work that day i remember specifically there was one moment where you were giving the speech at your dad's funeral and an airplane flew overhead and if i mean anyone who worked on friday night lights is very familiar with airplanes flying overhead <laughs> airplanes. It seemed to be like they were circling 24 7 it didn't hurt that we were literally like i mean half a block away from the airport when we were shooting at the football field but watching you worked in that moment it was like airplane going overhead you stopped right in the middle of your monologue waited held it kept the energy there and then jumped right back in after that airplane had cleared and it was like this is watching a pro go to work man it was really some beautiful moments in that episode and I'm not just tooting your horn there it's so funny I had such a great time on set and I, I know that it was like on the whole run of the series it was one of the most fun jobs to be on the set of but most of my memories are truly like the bullshit in between scenes or like the fun in Austin between like yeah. all of us and, and those experiences 
Yeah. And, you know, hearing your guys' stories about these scenes, I'm like, oh, right. Yeah, that did right. I wasn't such a schmuck. Yeah, I feel that way sometimes, <laughs> too. But there is something to say about, like, having the characters be lived in, because I know exactly what you're talking about. There was a scene that I had at the end of the fourth season. And usually as an actor, I would have probably found some, like, alone time, because it was an intense scene with Taylor and I when he takes the fall for the chop shop or whatever. Spoilers. Because, yeah, <laughs> but because, like, as you said, it was lived in. Like, I didn't feel like I had to prep anything for this i didn't have to go sit in a corner and listen to sad music for an hour right. to get emotionally available to go shoot this thing this was my brother this is my buddy and like he's taken the fall for me and it was just waterworks without really having to work hard some of that i think is just obviously amazing writing from our writers but i think it's the benefit too of having a show that you've been on for you know four years five years and feeling lived in as you said and Eric. what we talk about it a lot but like linda lowey and beth sepko and pete berg and jeff reiner they put together people who would do that who could play in yeah. the dirt and get yucky and loved each other and sometimes if somebody didn't fit they didn't come back this isn't my jam i don't quite get what you're doing yeah i won't name names but there's name names <laughs> no i won't but he said and i heard this through tony my friend the ad <laughs> Yeah. Apparently there's one actor was like, I'm not going to do like the Friday Night Lights thing on this scene. I'm going to do it like a different way. And I was like, but you're on Friday Night Lights. <laughs> what are you, what are you going to do? You're going to reinvent the wheel here? But like, also he could have just said nothing and probably it would have been great. It would be fine. Speaking of fun times, like offset, I remember after you wrapped out on the show, we had a pub crawl through Austin. I don't know if you remember this. I remember <laughs> no, that, you, I, that I remember. Do you until remember all point. of it though? Right? I remember aspects of it. And then my friend Barbara was also in town, oddly enough. And Barbara still has a bunch of pictures from that night. And she has like a picture. I remember we were in the back of a pedicab, you know, one of those rickshaws yeah. in Austin yeah. and like racing each other, our rickshaw versus like Brad Leland's rickshaw as we were going to another bar. That was one of the funner memories I had of being on that show was that pub crawl because everyone was there to it, say goodbye. It was, it was a blast, man. And me and Tony <laughs> and Kristen, Kristen Vela. Yeah, we were trouble. Yeah. We like we put a lot of work into that. We got T-shirts made. <laughs> yeah, I remember I had the T-shirt. One yeah. of Zach, I'm gonna tell you one of my favorite moments. I somehow was down there shooting my first episode when the first one aired. So we like went and watched all together at the hotel, and then we went back to your place because we were gonna watch it again. It was you, me, and Jesse, and we went back to your place because we couldn't hear it, and so we were and gonna watch it again. But also that same night, Studio 60 was airing, and we loved Aaron Sorkin, so we were like, we're gonna watch this, and then we're gonna watch Studio 60, and we go back to your place. And you didn't have any electricity. <laughs> So we couldn't watch what? the show. And so then we went over I, to Connie's place and watched it there because she had electricity. That makes sense. You just hadn't like yeah. gotten it turned on yet. And I was like, you you do need electricity here. You were still living well, with you know, Scott at that point, right? You and Scott had that place over at the, what was it called? The no, you were, in a, you were in like a loft. I can't remember. No, so yeah, that was my place. So basically when we first started filming the series after we'd done the pilot, we all went back. I didn't have a place because I had actually been in Australia and New Zealand for the summer, like working and leading backpacking trips for high school kids. And so I, I flew in. I was like, I don't even know where to live. Scott's like, you can stay on my couch for a while. And so I stayed on Scott's couch while I found a place. And then I got this loft. It was awesome. But I was the first person ever to live in it. You know, I'd lived in Harlem and whatever, but I never like gotten my own place. And yeah, I guess I didn't realize I needed to have electricity. <laughs> Like things that what was I thinking? I bought a TV without electricity. No, but yeah, no matter you, what, we were camping. like, 
we're watching Studio 60 tonight. That's all that matters. Yeah, that's a glitch on my part that I didn't realize I didn't have electricity. <laughs> I want to go back to like the start of the show. What did you know about Matt Saracen before you started, like when we started shooting the show? Did you have any clue that this guy was going to wind up being this stud quarterback who, I guess you weren't a stud, I guess. No. <laughs> this entire time through our podcast, we keep going, give Matt Saracen a break. Give this kid a break. Oh <laughs> my God. He's like the Tim Tebow of Dylan Texas. Like he may not have all the skills, but he wins. He wins. Yeah. We just you love him. Yeah, he's a good kid. No, I know. It's like every turn, it was like they tried to take my quarterback role away from me, or <laughs> I just couldn't catch a break, man. No, but, the, you know, the, I think that's the why grandma, you like the dad. Stacy and I and find Julia. ourselves like totally watching the show and going, "Dude, can you give the guy a break? It like it's never ending. It's, it's just different ways ending. that the writers can torture Matt Saracen on an episode Jeez. by episode basis." Yeah, I mean, you know, it was good stuff and, you know, made a character that people like. And that was the thing about him. I've always felt like he's kind of the everyman on the show yeah. in a way. Everyone's an amazing character, but I feel like he's the most, like, just a person. And every person has all this stuff on their shoulders and it's just doing the best they can. And that's kind of, this person happens to be 16, 17 years old as the show goes on. But, you know, he's not the brooding Riggins or the <laughs> Superman, what Jason Street was before he was in a wheelchair, blah, blah, blah. He's just a guy. And I think that's yeah. kind of interesting. It really makes you root for him. Yeah. Skipping ahead, I've seen you play two kinda baddies on SVU. You're so all-American and you're so like lovable. What was it like to go into this character on Criminal Minds? I've never seen you go that bad. Is it so yummy? <laughs> Is it so, so yummy? It's fun, but it's messed up. And when I signed up, they asked my wife to play my actual wife. They asked my actual wife to play my wife on the show. But you didn't which is fun. know, right? I didn't know. I, I was on my way to work. I literally kissed her goodbye. She looked at her phone and said, I just got an offer to play your wife on Criminal Minds. Wow. It was so fun, but it was messed up. I mean, if you watch the show where the last few episodes go, it's like so dark <laughs> and to the point where I don't know if it was fun. It was kind of yeah. messed up. The writers would say to us, they're like, we're so sorry we made you two do this. Like, oh God. It was super fun. And they were a lot like on Friday Night Lights where with my stuff, they kind of said, you know, we've been doing the procedural stuff for 15 years. We haven't really gotten a chance to go into the character stuff. So change whatever you want. Just make it feel real. They would give the scripts to Keely and I early to say like, how do you think we can make these scenes better? They're so collaborative. And you'd think going into season 16 of a show, they'd be like, this is the way we do it just fall in line but they were like no it's criminal minds evolution we want to evolve it was one of my favorite experiences oh. that's awesome man that's awesome i love it i don't want to blow smoke up anybody's butt but i loved midnight mass i think it might be my favorite thing i've seen you do i love oh, it thank you it was a really great experience as well that one was also <laughs> That was probably the darkest place I went because I actually, because of the pandemic, while shooting that, I had to miss the birth of my son. And <gasps> oh my God. I didn't meet him until he was six weeks old. Zach! Uh, yeah, because in Canada, there's like a two-week quarantine and they basically were like, look, we can put a break in the schedule like a month in or six weeks in. 
for you to go home and like get your family. And we put it six weeks because I couldn't bring him back up to Canada until he had a passport. Just all this mess. So for the majority of that shoot, I so felt like that character because he is, he's someone who, you know, has just come home to a small island town after being in jail for killing someone in a drunk driving accident. And he feels pretty worthless. And I was just walking around Vancouver, just feeling worthless because I didn't have my family with me. I knew what I was missing and it just sucked. (laughs) That's tough, dude. Okay. So give Matt Saracen a break. And now also give Zach Guilford a break. break. (laughs) I'm fine. And you know, the thing is my son doesn't know the difference. He could not care less. He's nobody's gonna know when we play this. Gonna know in 16 years when we play this for him. Dad didn't want me in for six months. Dad abandoned me. Jesus. Okay, I want to talk real quickly about my two favorite relationships on this show. And it's Matt Saracen and Landry and mm-hmm. Matt Saracen and Grandma Saracen. Like those two relationships right there between those three characters. I mean, I love those guys. Can you talk a little bit about your time working with Luann? Oh my God. I mean, those are literally the two relationships that are my favorite I've ever gotten to do in yeah. any job. Luann, she very quickly, and I think it kind of like solidified in the episode where I sing to her to get her out of the closet. Stop yeah. it, it's but, my favorite. Uh, <laughs> she is just amazing. And like, she still sends birthday gifts to my kids who she's never even met, but she, she has She loves you so much. Oh, I love her with all my heart. Like a year or so ago, we did a Zoom interview for something together. And when we saw each other, we started crying like on Zoom. She's like a surrogate grandmother to me. Ridiculously amazingly talented and like, just a badass woman. I mean, she's not yeah. that character in any way. No. <laughs> I remember um, the first time I saw her out of like Grandma Saracen outfit, like in her normal clothes. And I was like, oh, wow. She's like this, you know, socialite Dallasite. Real oh, yeah. Exactly. And like, yeah. Oh, and yeah, just she's amazing. super together upstairs on top of it. You know, <laughs> I love Luann. Yeah, she doesn't have dementia. <laughs> and even when Kim Dickens came in to be the mom, that family unit just like, those look like your mom and your grandma. It's ridiculous. Oh, I mean, Kim's amazing. She's an amazing actress yeah. and like just an amazing human. And I loved her and she fit right in in the three of us. It just right. kind of worked. And I still, I'll text Kim every now and then, call her mom, which I think she hates. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what about you and Jesse? You guys clicked immediately. It is my favorite friendship I, on the show. Yeah. I mean, Jesse to this day is. I mean, he's the person I'm closest to from the show. At my wedding, he played guitar and sang as my wife walked down the aisle. <laughs> and every scene with him, I mean, he's, I mean, he was so amazing back then. I remember actually when we were shooting the pilot, he had an episode of Grey's Anatomy that aired. Yeah. And he was, you know, the patient of the week. And I was like, oh, you have an episode? I'll check it out. And just watching that before we'd even shot anything on the show, I was like, oh my God, this kid is amazing. And at that point he was, I think he was only 16. Yeah. I'm like, six or seven years older than him so you know i felt like kind of a weirdo that like my best friend was a teenager <laughs> jesse's an old soul you and i talked about this when we were actually shooting the show that it, i mean you were way older than julie and like it feels creepy <laughs> yeah. how old were you when you booked fnl i think i was 23 yeah and then and she um, was like 16 she was yeah so it was so weird and the first time we had to kiss and it was just like you know a little like, <laughs> like both of us were like well what do we do i never kissed anyone on screen before so i didn't know and she didn't know and it was weird because of the age i mean i literally taught her how to drive oh while we were in texas and because i was a camp counselor. Like I literally came from leading kids her age in the wilderness and I felt so protective over her. And there were times I'd see her out at a party and Austin like, nope. 
in the car. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> I would like take her home. <laughs> That's not an option. I had a but, similar yeah, thing with Clemens one night. Like he called me and he's like, Hey man, you want to go? He had just turned 21 and I was probably 10 years older than him, but it's just weird because you're working on a show together. So you don't really think about the age so much, but he no. invited me to go out one night. We went to a bar together and he's like, Hey man, I just got a text. There's a party down the street. You want to come with? And I walked in and it was all college kids. And I was yeah. like, what the hell am I doing here? I had texted Joey yeah. who played Guy Raston on the show. And I said, dude, I'm at this party with Clemens right now. And it's all college kids. I feel like a total creep. And he's like, you are a creep get out of there get <laughs> i left immediately yeah. but it was you know i forget sometimes i think because jesse carries himself in such a way you just think of him he's kind of an old soul he's an old you know soul. and uh, you he's such an old soul like, i've got a good 10 or 11 years on plemons when we first went down to shoot the first season after the pilot once i got my own place and got the electricity turned on <laughs> i had convinced my best childhood friend to move to i don't know if you guys remember mitch, but mitch? Course, yeah so. i'm still friends yeah. with him <laughs> yes. and charlie chaz i'm still friends with all your friends oh yeah oh there you go yeah mitch uh, was a mainstay yeah. down in austin <laughs> so yeah i convinced him to quit his real job at an advertising firm in new york so i was like i can't move to texas by myself like come with me and he's like yeah, yeah all right cool yeah, so sure. we had like this weird year in austin and my favorite part the best part is because at a certain point i think he was there like six months or something and then he was like dude i gotta get a real job again <laughs> um, <laughs> like i can't all. it's fun but i can't be your entourage anymore but he came back down when we shot the finale in Dallas. Yeah. He was like, well, I got to be there. I'm not yeah. missing out. I'm being on the field. So he flew down, was with us. We put like one of those blue trainer t-shirts on him. And then in the scene, the like puddle at the championship game when I'm like telling him what play we should run or something. And he's like, you got this. I'm like, trust me, coach, or whatever I say. And Mitch is right there over Kyle's shoulder. I love like, it. Just like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> was Pippin anywhere near you? So Zach had oh, a dog named Pippin. I'm like, Pippin probably was in the background somewhere as well. Yeah, so Mitch and I got Pippin together. We adopted yeah. her down there the first year. Dude, she was the most amazing dog. She passed away about two years ago, but my mm. daughter and her had the most special bond to literally, oh. like today, I was getting dressed and she goes, I just get really sad when I think about Pippin. Oh. And I'm like, I know, like every picture in our house of my daughter, Pippin's right there. Like wow. she would wake up in the morning and just stand by my daughter's up door, wait for me to like go wake her up. And it was just like the sweetest thing. And it was just such a perfect journey for me because I was an idiot, 20, early 20 year old when I got Pippin and she was with me through that, through meeting my wife, through having a family. And then, you know, there's pictures of me passed out on the floor in my apartment <laughs> like and Pippin's <laughs> like sitting over me, protecting me. And it just felt like once I had both my kids and my family was back together, she kind of was like, all right, you don't need me anymore. And she, oh my God. Oh man. <laughs> Pippin it's, was it's... with us when your electricity went out and we had Connie's dog too. <laughs> and I, you guys, yeah. this is going to sound so dumb. I just assumed that she was named Pippin after the musical. And then you were like really mad at me and you were like, it was Scotty Pippin. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's a thing too, I guess. <laughs> Whatever. I know. Anytime people thought it was Pippin the musical, like, do you know me? Do you think I'm in the musicals. <laughs> <laughs> but from Chicago. Uh, but dogs are the best, man. Uh. Okay, this is a selfish question. And I only ask it to a couple people because I genuinely, this is something I want in my life. Is there anything in you or would you ever come to New York and do like a theater show on stage? Like a Broadway Pippin. show? Specifically, would you do No, Pippin not a musical. <laughs> a show, like yeah, a play. I mean, of course. I want to see mean, you on stage I, so bad. You know, it's so funny. I Because, you know, in college and everything, that's all I did. 
and then you're lucky enough to get on a tv show and it's like when are you gonna go do a play <laughs> i would love to i haven't really i should tell my rep that i'd like to do one i think it's just hard though I, this is my worry it would have to be a short run because if i had yeah. to, and friday night lights ruin me it's like if i do more than three takes on something i'm so over it i'm like can you get it in focus please because i'm bored i'm bored now <laughs> i don't want to say these lines anymore I don't want this camera over here anymore. Let's move on. That was going to be my last question for you, actually, is how did FNL prepare you for other projects? And it's like, it and made me insufferable <laughs> if I have to do more than two takes. Yeah. yeah. You know, it prepared me. And I, like, I learned everything on that show. And I think it took me a minute, actually, to have it sink in fully because I think I thought the way we did things on Friday Night Lights was the way everything should be done. Yeah. You know, I think the next project I went to, I was a little thought I knew better than I actually did, but I quickly figured out like how to adapt what we did on Friday Night Lights to fit into other styles of things. Honestly, the biggest thing I learned, and this is from Kyle and Connie, is like, you're no more important than anyone else on that set. You know, the lowest PA is just as important as you are and treat them with respect. And, you know, I really do that on every set I'm on. Like I try to stick up for people when I feel like other people are not being respectful to them. And I have to tell the story, it has nothing to do with me, but I went and shot something in Chicago where Kyle had shot this show, early edition for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were like, oh, you, you used to work with Kyle. I said, yeah, they go, he's such a great guy. I go, I was like, yeah, I know. And he goes, I'll never forget. We were shooting a night shoot in the middle of winter in Chicago. And Kyle's, while well, they're setting up the shot, is talking to a homeless person. And they come over and they go, hey, Kyle, we're ready for you. And he goes, okay. He says, hey, it was really nice talking to you. Best of luck. Takes like two steps and turns around, takes his mittens off and gives them to the guy and said, oh. hey, you need these more than I do. And then went and shot a scene. And that's just like who Kyle is. And yeah. um I think we all benefited from having him be, you know, who he was on that set. 100%, man. Because oh, I, I think Stacy and I have talked about it on our show, on this podcast numerous times, that the fish stinks from the head down. And we really lucked out our on this show. Everybody on the show was just a delight to work with from the top down. And I think it's part of the reason the show had the success it did, you know. Mm -hmm. We weren't dealing with egos. I think a lot of us were probably too green, as you said before, to have egos. Because for most of us, this was our first big project. And so it was just, you know, hey, man, I'm happy to be here. You're going to yeah, pay me you to see, do this? What? Yeah. And if you see Kyle and Connie being that way, you know, even when, you know, Taylor goes off to shoot John Carter from Mars, which, you know, was like a multi, like hundreds of millions of dollar movie. You know, yeah. He comes back and is still tailored and doesn't yeah. treat any of us any differently or whoever went and did whatever they went and did. You know, like I mentioned, you know, Jesse Plemons, Michael B. Jordan, like even to this day still are just like humble people who yeah. don't feel any higher than any of the rest of us. Yeah. yeah. It's a real testament to what Pete set up and just the show in general. Dude, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. I know you got oh. a million things on your plate right now and we really, really do appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. It's great seeing you. Zach, oh, no. I thank you for having face. me. <laughs> I know it's been a long time. Are you so in New York? Long. I am in New York. Oh man, I miss New York. Come do a show here. <laughs> Dude, great seeing you. Oh, well, thank you guys. You too. I really appreciate it. Guys, that is it for season four, episode 13, and season four in general. Season four is done skis, but join us next time for season five, episode one entitled Expectations. But until then, clear eyes, full hearts. Can't lose. Clear Eyes Full Hearts is a podcast presentation of Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. Executive producers are Stacey Orestano and Derek Phillips, Chris and Mindy Wimmer for Black Barrel Media, and Steve Walters for Ritual Productions. 
Our producer is Miranda Parham. Send your questions to QueerEyesFullHeartsPod at gmail.com. And follow us on social media. I'm on Instagram at Stacy Orstano. And I'm also on Instagram at underscore Derek Phillips. Check us out on YouTube and BlackBarrelMedia.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.